0: Thanks for coming this morning. Uh, We are continuing our series uh, approaching Easter uh, called On the Third Day. We're dealing with a lot of the scriptures that either predict or talk about uh, Jesus rising on the third day. And so uh, if you have a Bible, you can open it up to Matthew chapter 12, and we'll be heading there in just a moment. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we go to the word right now, you would open our eyes and ears to hear what you would have us hear. Even if it's just one thing, God. I'm going to talk for a few minutes, but there may just be one thing that we got to chew on this week. Lord, help us to find that one thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you all receive the discussion sheets? I know they weren't there at the beginning, but do you have them now? Somebody needs to say yes. You all say yes? Okay, good, good, good. Awesome. (coughs) Over in Thailand, by the way, This is kind of like my dream retirement I'm about to tell you about okay over in Thailand there is a tribe of what they call sea gypsies right they really have (laughs) no nationality no home no citizenship they're just gypsies and they live on one of the islands off of the shores of Thailand not too far off of the shores of Thailand. Uh, But they they inhabit one of those kind of uninhabited islands. And there's only about 181 of them left. And they're an old gypsy tribe. And they do fishing. They they fish. Then they sell uh, the fish in order to gain their subsistence. And so they spend much of the year on their boats fishing. Can you imagine that? A 70-something-year-old Tom Nacky just on a gypsy boat just fishing all year long all that sounds so peaceful you know I don't even like fish so I wouldn't even eat the fish I catch just peanut butter and jelly sandwiches would be fine with me and that would be my retirement this is what they do they spend all year fishing but in December they go and they live on beach shelters for about you know 45 to 90 days Uh, I don't know if the fishing's not good or they just got to come in and rest or they got to take time to sell their product. But they come in and they literally live on the beach in these sort of shelters. It's getting even better. I mean, they should charge for this. You know, this is like the lifestyle so many of us want to jump into. Well, as you remember, in December of 2004, there was a killer tsunami that swept through the coast of Thailand. It would end up killing over a couple hundred thousand people. The Sea Gypsies—they uh, have a, they're a tribal, so they have a eldership, a chief, elders, and then they have the people. And the elders used to have a saying that if the water recedes fast, it's a sign to drop everything and run. And so that's exactly what happened. The sea drained quickly from the beach. They noticed fish flopping on the shore and all of a sudden they looked at each other all couple hundred of them they dropped everything and they ran they're on a particular island that has a a, a kind of a hill on it a mountain on it so they ran up to this mountain where they have a a shelter there uh, from storms and things like that so they ran up and they literally watched uh, as the last one got up there within a minute or two the giant tsunami that would come in Sure, it pounded their island, but it kind of blew past their island and they watched it head toward the shore of Thailand. And one of the gypsy tribesmen said, our elders gave us the sign. And once we saw the sign, we knew it was time to run. All 181 of them were saved because they knew how to interpret the signs. Amen? Signs can be kind of funny. Right. I found a few. Well, I think they're kind of funny, but if we go to the next slide real quick here, you know, how many of you fail this one all the time? Come on now. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. How many of you you read? What if I told you not what I if told you? I mean, I I I don't know why I think our brains must do it, you know, but, uh, you know, that's a sign that gets me every time. How about the next one? No offense, Pam, no offense, no, no, we're not we're not trying to you know, but come on, you know that's that's just you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay, here's the next one now, come on now, come on now, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's you know <laughs> toilet paper does grow on trees, so you know, um, <laughs> donate now why they would put that up there, maybe they put that up there because people would go, ah, toilet paper does grow anyway. And then this is, (laughs) there I have days where I wish my address was on this street. (laughs) Come on now. (laughs) That's a real street sign I found, you know. (laughs) One, two, three, go away, you know. But, uh, you know, there's other kinds of signs too. There's signs that give information, like the next slide. Uh, You know, uh, information signs. (laughs) I know. That's kind of funny, isn't it? FEMA Center, (laughs) closed due to weather. They're supposed to be the ones saving us from the weather. Uh, Then there's also signs that give direction, right, as the next sign does. Uh, By the way, how many of you have seen this sign? Uh, You guys don't count because you guys just saw this sign. (laughs) All right. What interstate is it on? No, it's not on the 15. Is it going out to Vegas? It is the 15. <laughs> I thought it was the 10. Is it the 10 or the 15, Kirk? I don't know. But isn't that the coolest name for a road? I mean, it's like, you know, how do you even say it? Zizix. Zizix. Zizix Road. That's too cool. Come on. That's that only in California can we have that. Next slide. We have signs of duration. How many of you have seen this sign? That's so cool, isn't it? (laughs) It's in California, and it has Maryland on it, 3,000 miles away, you know? (laughs) So you know getting to Ocean City, Maryland, is going to take you a long time, all right? And then we also have signs of confirmation. You've arrived. You've got mail. Well, in the Bible, signs can work in much the same way. Information, duration, confirmation, all those things. In fact, the Bible is full of signs. The Bible itself is a sign from God to the earth. The Bible also calls the church, this here, is a sign that God is real and on the earth. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to be a sign to the people of the world and if you have spiritual gifts, which are available to all of us, not just the special few, then those are signs as well. When people say, I just need a sign from God, a sign that he is real, they probably either don't know what to look for or didn't care for the sign that God provided. Because the fact of the matter is, there are signs all around us. And this is the case in Matthew chapter 12, As Jesus calls himself the sign. I'm going to give you a little context here. Uh, First of all, if you go to Matthew chapter 12, 13 and 14. Jesus is about to do something that violates the Jewish religion. But not really. Because here's the funny thing. The Jewish religion says you cannot work on the Sabbath. It doesn't necessarily say you cannot heal on the Sabbath. But they interpret it to say, you can't even lift a finger. If your horse falls down in the ditch and it's dying, you can't lift a finger to move it. So they're getting all nitpicky on these matters of the law of Moses. Jesus, as you can see here, says to the man, stretch out your hand. And he heals this man on the Sabbath. All of Jesus' enemies can think of is this. You healed on the Sabbath. You healed on the Sabbath. How dare you? Who do you think you are? Nobody heals on the Sabbath. Now, I don't know about you, but you know what I'd be thinking? Oh, my goodness, he just healed a hand, right? You know? I mean, you got somebody who walks around like this, and all of a sudden they're going, yay, that would be my first reaction, okay? Yes, you may have rules, But he has power, you know. I mean, I would be like doing backflips like, yes, I just saw a miracle. You know, I, I mean, I would just be going nuts. But look what their reaction was. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. That's the problem with people. Somebody starts to get more popular than us, we look for ways to take them out even if they do work miracles. In the very next verses in 15 and 16, Jesus is aware of this. He withdrew from that place and a large crowd followed him. And he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. you think of that? Jesus is doing miracles. And he's telling people to be quiet because it might get them in trouble, really is what's happening there. Now, Jesus is not afraid of getting in trouble. But he has a timeline that he is following according to God's timeline. And he's not going to allow people to upend his timeline. So if we skip down to verse 22. Next slide. It says, Then they brought him a demon-possessed man. He said, Jesus, we've seen you heal. But you ain't never seen this guy. This guy has an evil spirit in him. I mean, we've seen what Jesus can do with the body. Let's see what Jesus can do with the spirit. The spirit had made the man blind and mute. And Jesus healed him. So he could talk and see. And drove the demon out, obviously. In verse 23, all the people were astonished. And they said, could this be the son of David? And, and that's, that's their way of saying, could he be the Messiah? You know, they... Are beginning to interpret the signs and say wait a minute God promised a guy like this would come we've been praying for a guy like this to come now he's come and he's doing all these incredible things this guy might be the guy there's only one problem Jesus has enemies and they say we're not gonna dispute that this guy's got some tricks Healing hands, casting out devils. But what y'all don't realize is he's not doing it by the power of God. He's doing it by the power of Satan. Now you may say, man, why did they, why did they go there? I mean, Why instantly go there? Because Jesus was not the version of God they were expecting or wanting. Think about that question for yourself. When God does something that is against your view of him, how do you react? Because that's a lot of times what God does with us. He'll do something that's totally out of the box. We stand back and we're like, man, I didn't know God did stuff like that, or I don't know if God works like that. I remember the first time I heard somebody speak in tongues, and I was like, "Uh, I don't know. know, I'm just like, what in the world? Totally mess with my world. Like, I, God doesn't do stuff like that, you know? God is always doing things to kind of challenge the little box we've put him in, you know? One time there was a guy at our church, and I, 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 not our church, this church I went to probably 30 years ago. I remember thinking to myself, man, that guy has a demon, right? We were in, down, we had a church in downtown Seattle, and this was before, like, all this was even popular. But he came in, he had horns on and piercings everywhere he was so tatted up I don't think he had any regular skin left and and I remember I'd look he looked like Darth Maul you know I just look at him like you know and and, and he would just kind of sit there quietly and I remember thinking man that guy's never gonna get that guy's never gonna get touched by God you know and uh, sooner or later we have a revival meeting and a slap to the forehead and I'm just scratching my head going man God can even get people like that you know God is always doing stuff to expand the box we put him in. But it's not just to expand the box. It's also to give us the signs that that you think it's something is impossible for God to do. Well, just step back and see what God does. He made it. He will probably almost never do it the way you imagine he's going to do it. But you'll see things happen and go, whoa, that must be God. That must be God. Unfortunately, that's not what Jesus's enemies thought, because Jesus wasn't their version of God. They called him possessed by the devil. It is because he's possessed with Beelzebub, which was another word for them, the Lord of the Flies, the Lord of Death, the the Devil, that he's doing this. I don't have it in here, but Satan has, a, or Jesus has, a great comeback. You know, well, if Satan's fighting Satan, <laughs> his kingdom isn't going to last very long. You know, that's the stupidest move in the book. Even Satan knows not to do that, but. That's another sermon. We go on further because we're building a context here. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 and 40, and this is our main scripture for the day. It says, then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign for you. Translation, perform for us. Come on. We want to see some tricks. You're know, you the miracle man. Well, show us some miracles, miracle man. You know, he wants to say, come on, guys, get this going. And Jesus answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign. I know some of you right now are thinking, I kind of ask for signs sometimes. Am I wicked and adulterous? Totally different. I'll explain that in a second. He says, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jesus brings up a Sunday school story to make a point with these big, high, religious leaders and teachers. He says for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus was quite clear. They are a wicked and adulterous generation. Why were they wicked and adulterous generation? Because their excessive pride had blinded them to who Jesus really was. And so the only sign they would get is the sign of Jonah. It's important to note that the Pharisees did not want a sign confirming who Jesus was. They were purely looking for a sign that would convince them of who Jesus is. Asking for confirmation is fine. That's what Gideon did. If you look in Judges chapter 6 verses 36 to 40, you see a really neat story where Gideon is a is a is one of the leaders of God's people and God says, "I want you to go into battle with your enemies who have conquered you." And Gideon's like, "I'm small, I'm weak, I'm the last of my family, nobody knows my name." Uh are you, he said, you know, God, I believe in you. I believe you exist. I believe you can do this. And if you want me to do it, I will go do it. I just want to make sure it's you speaking and not the pizza I ate last night, right? right. That's okay to do that. That's seeking confirmation of the sign that God gave you. So Gideon lays out this fleece and God confirms the sign. Gideon sees a, a I don't want to say a small miracle because every miracle is kind of cool. Gideon sees a miracle and then boom, he goes and he conquers a 10,000 man army with 300 men because they don't know how to drink from a river you know so i mean it's just amazing to see what god does when he confirms the sign but this isn't what the pharisees were asking of jesus they didn't want jesus to confirm anything they wanted jesus to perform for them. come on jesus do some backflips fly around like superman or machine gun heal everybody right in this line you know they jesus do it at our request And at our will. You see, Jesus, we're the religious leaders. We're above you. We tell you what to do. And Jesus is going, oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm God. I'll always be above you. And I don't have to prove myself that I'm above you. My mere existence proves it. And so they're trying to really get Jesus through coercion and manipulation and by the way they're not trying to get jesus to do something because they want to believe in him they're trying to get jesus to do something because they want to trap him because they want to kill him because they want to use some evidence so that they can dispose of him so jesus told them the only sign they would see is the sign of jonah this was not confusing to them nor was it meant to be a mystery jonah was a famous prophet that that they knew a lot about he was a rebellious prophet who ran from God's call when God wanted him to warn his enemies of God's impending judgment. Jonah ran from God. if We can go to the next slide. But then he got, he ended up getting thrown overboard through a series of events and a big fish came and swallowed up Jonah. I know it's kind of like a Megalodon looking thing, isn't it? Uh, we don't know if the fish had teeth like that. <laughs> but I can tell you this, and this will, this will challenge some of you, <laughs> uh, Jonah died in that fish, right? If he didn't die, it was only through the supernatural power of God. I don't know if God like, erected a force field inside the fish, or the fish was really an angel, or some other supernatural explanation. But in the natural If God's using something natural, Jonah died inside that fish. Uh, There's no oxygen in the belly of a fish. In fact, the gas that we have inside of us is called what? Methane. (laughs) That's why uh, I won't explain how I know that. But just trust me that I know that. And uh, (laughs) the gas we have inside our body is methane. And so, you know, so Jonah, in a sense, the reason why I'm going with this is whether God erected some sort of supernatural event to keep him alive, or that he, he was literally dead in the fish and then he resurrected, resurrected when the fish coughed him up. The point is this Jesus is saying, as Jonah was dead in the belly of the fish for three days, and then a type of resurrection occurred when the fish coughs him up on the beach, so will I be in the belly of the earth for three days, and then I will rise. Jesus is saying, Here is the sign I will give you. You're going to kill me. I know it. You're going to get what you want. I'm not going to give it to you today. But you're going to get what you want. You're going to kill me. But the death you hand me cannot stop me. I will beat it. I will overcome it. And when I do, everybody who follows me by faith can beat it and overcome it too. And we won't rise to a nasty, war-torn, ridden earth like this. We will rise to what Jesus called paradise. Foods you can't even imagine. Joy you can't even imagine. Love you can't even imagine. Life we can't even imagine. That's what Jesus is telling them. If you have your discussion sheet, go ahead and flip it over and we'll... We'll work on filling in some of these blanks. Don't worry. We're almost done. I just got four quick points to make. And then we'll be out of here. But number one. And here's the most important one. We learn this more from the Pharisees really than anything else. Make no attempt to try and control God. How do we try and control people? If you do this for me, I'll like you and be your friend. But if you don't do what I want you to do, then I'm not going to like you and be your friend. We do this with God too. God, if, you, if, you, if you're this kind of God and you do these kinds of things in my life, then I'll be your follower. But if you don't do these kinds of things or you don't act the way I think you're going to act, then I'm just going to be like the rest of the world and say, I don't believe in God. Make no attempt to try and control God. In fact, one of our most common prayers is not thy will be done, but thy will be changed because <laughs> we don't often like <laughs> the will of God. <laughs> It's kind of that God is a genie struggle. You know, we we feel like we still want to rub the lamp. God comes out and we make three wishes and God does it. What if I were to go home to my wife and I would say, dear Tanya, I would love it if you would cook me enchiladas tonight. And my wife says to me, dearest husband, I don't feel like cooking enchiladas tonight. How about chicken salad? it's healthier for you and less carbs and i say no enchiladas wow sorry i can't love you tonight because you're not doing what i'm saying would that be a marriage no it would be like two business partners in a contract you scratch my back i scratch yours you don't scratch good enough we void the contract right that's not a marriage The kind of relationship that the Lord has with us is like a marriage. As we become one with our spouses, he becomes one with us. But he doesn't become one with us so that we can manipulate him and coerce him. He becomes one so we can follow him. You may say, Tom, why are you hammering this so much? That is why Jesus calls them an adulterous generation. Because they were married to God. And somewhere along the way when they could no longer control him, they divorced him in their hearts. Number two, ask for confirmation, not convincing. Ask for confirmation, not convincing. Another person who requested a sign was none other than John the Baptist, right? The person at at Christmas who, or not Christmas, but uh, the person who's heralding Jesus right before Jesus comes on the scene. John the Baptist tells everybody, this is the one. This is the Messiah. Here's the Lamb of God who takes away to Follow him. And they all start following him. Jesus gets a lot of John's followers, a lot of John's following. And then John gets arrested. He gets arrested and he's thrown in prison. Now I'll tell you something right now. Months in prison can do a number on you up here. Especially their kind of prison. They dig out a hole. Throw you in it and then keep the key far away. So he lived in a dark hole for months. He's probably scratching things on the wall. Hairs all the, oh. the smell of all of himself is all around him. He's going, Man, was all this for no- That was Jesus, right? You know, it's messing with him. This world will mess with you. So he sends some friends. He said, Jesus, I need to know are you the one, or are we supposed to wait for another? And you know what? Jesus didn't say that John was wicked and adulterous. Jesus didn't say, in fact, Jesus would go on to say, among women, there is no better, greater than John. Well, than himself. And so when his friends come, Jesus says, Watch this. And he does. He machine gun heals a whole bunch of people who are standing around him and says, Now go back and tell John what you just saw. What's the difference? When the Pharisees were asking for a sign, they weren't asking to believe, they were asking to debate. When John was asking for a sign, he was asking because he was discouraged in prison, he was going nuts. He just wanted a little reminder from God that what he gave his life for was worth it. And they went back and told John. And John got it. Number three. God has called us to be a sign. The greatest sign of God on the earth is still in his original plan. When he created human beings, he said, I created them in my what? Image. You want to see the image of God? Watch a church like this work, work together in love and unity, and you'll see God. You'll see it. That's his choice. That's you. When you take all of what God gave you, your mind, your body, your hands, your smile, your hugs, your gifts, your words and you use them to represent the Spirit of God within you, you are the sign. Now some of you may say, well, I'm not so good with words. Believe it or not, I'm not really either. I can be very gaff prone My gaffes are from the heart, but I can be very gaff prone Here's the fact of the matter is this. There's two kinds of signs in the Bible. One kind of sign is the verbal sign, right? Jesus said, destroy me, and I will rise in three days. That's a verbal sign, right? The other kind of sign is a visual sign. It's a sign of you displaying God in you without necessarily using words. When you help a woman whose lawn is overtaking the house and she can't afford a gardener, that's a sign. God is on the earth. When you cook for people, Are so messed up they can't even tell you what day it is. That's a sign God is moving on the earth. When you forgive, when everybody else around you is saying you have every reason to retaliate, that's a sign that God is on the earth. And when you give, when you could keep, that's a sign that God is on the earth, verbal or visual be the sign that God has called you to be. Amen? Finally, number four. Have you read the signs that God has given you? God never said he wouldn't give you a sign. He, Jesus didn't even tell the Pharisees they wouldn't get a sign. He just told them the sign would be the sign of Jonah. God doesn't deny us. God is not above giving us reminders. It's simply going to be on His terms what the sign is going to be, when it's going to be, and how it's going to come. And then it's going to be a test. Every sign is going to be a test whether we respond to God in humility or whether we retreat into unbelief and pride. But the signs are everywhere. If you just look, just look with eyes of faith, you'll see that they're everywhere. No matter where you're at, you could be at the most discouraging point in your life. God's got signs for you. You could be on the highest pedestal. Trust me, God's got signs for you. Have you read the signs that God has given you? Most of you know I've been reading and studying about the impact of Christianity on the North American Indians. It's fascinating. Uh, I am more convinced now than ever that the culture of the Native Americans in North America were far more suited to receive Christianity than even my own cultures and the cultures of Greece and Rome where they sort of had their high heyday. And one of the neat stories comes from the Cherokee Indians of North Carolina. Now, you may say, Cherokee Indians in North Carolina? I didn't know there were Cherokee Indians in North Carolina. Well, uh, they, they really, there's, there's very few. Uh, the U.S. government took most of the Cherokee Indians from the east. By the way, the Cherokee Indians were river people. And then they shipped them to Oklahoma, which I don't know much about Oklahoma, but they, I don't think they have the same kind of rivers as the Carolinas. Horrible thing. Uh, horrible thing in our history. But the interesting thing about the Cherokee Indians is they had very strict spiritual beliefs about living pure before who they called the man above or the creator God, living pure. So every day they had to go through intense water purification. That's why they were river people. They had to go through intense water purification rituals. And if they didn't, it was bad. I mean, the whole village would pick you up, throw you in a river, scrub you, and then you could come back. I do that with my boys on a daily basis, so I know what that's like. I know what that's like. (laughs) but they had a prophecy that one day somebody would come and they would be washed and purified forever. and They would never have to go into the river again. When the early, what would be British, missionaries came and began to uh, evangelize the Cherokee Nation, they were exchanging cultures and they told them of this prophecy. And the guy scratched his head and he goes, water baptism, water baptism. If you get baptized in water, then Jesus will cleanse you of your sins and you don't have to wash every day. You're cleansed now and forever. It's so sad that shortly after we had to ship thousands of them west. Because what happens to the one who stayed? They all converted to Christianity that's the church. That's not. They had. A, that's where the first church was built. That is not the first church. That is the modern version of it. The church you see behind me. But today, over ninety percent of the pure-blooded Cherokee Indians of North Carolina follow Jesus today. Why? Because they had a sign. God gave them a sign, supernaturally. And when they heeded that sign. They found God. They found Jesus. And they're an incredible example to all of us. Amen. Worshiping, come on forward. Bow your heads. Before we close today, I'd like to give just a very simple invitation. And the invitation is this. To both heed the sign and be the sign. To heed the sign, I'm referring to don't walk out of here without a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. In this day and age, with World War III, a possibility like never before, this isn't the time to play around. It's time to get serious. Time to get before God and say, God, I need the forgiveness of Jesus. I need to make him my Lord and Savior. So let's pray this together. If you don't want to pray this, please don't pray this. But if you want to either affirm for the first time or confirm for the thousandth time, let's pray this together to heed the sign. Say, Lord Jesus, I heed the sign that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And I confess that I'm a sinner. And I need forgiveness. So I make you my Lord and my Savior. Take me to heaven and fill me with your spirit. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now there's one more prayer we're going to pray. That you would be the sign. That you would be the sign. God's choice hasn't changed in thousands of years. Yeah, sometimes you'll see miracles, you will. But more often than not, he wants to go with plan A. That we would be the image of God on the earth. That we would be the sign. So let's stand together together. Let's stand together now. <laughs> go ahead and put your hand over your heart. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, help me to be the sign. The sign of hope. The sign of the kingdom. The sign of salvation and the sign of God's grace in Jesus name. Amen.